Welcome to OKHR Leads, hosted by Tara Crowley and Rob Trotter. We are connecting with HR leaders in our community and hearing their story and what makes them tick. How many times have I said this, Rob, that everybody should know what we're talking about? Right. We're, I need to look. We're at 70, 74, 75, 76. You've said it at least that many times. I think 78. 78? Yeah. Yep. I've lost a couple. I haven't been on a couple, so uh, I've only heard you say those. So. Okay. Uh, you, well, you have this new, uh, I just got away from this HR conference sheen to mm. you. Like you just took in all this wonderful, fun HR kind of knowledge. energy. Knowledge. Yeah. yeah. So how did that go? Well, it was funner. <laughs> <laughs> We had a blast. Uh, it was, I feel like crazy. I mean, it was a super high energy, tons of fun. And, um, you know, I walked away and had to lie on my couch, just completely frost, prostate for, I don't know, a good 24 hours afterwards to decompose. Okay. So yeah. it was awesome. <laughs> we missed you. I miss being there. I, I do. I need to, yeah. Yeah. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Yeah. But you know so. what? This is really a great segue because our guest actually, uh, I, I will tell you the significance of our guest in just a second, but let me tell you who we're going to talk to today. It's Miss Lisa McConnell. And Lisa is the corporate HR manager for Hobby Lobby. And I think if you are from Oklahoma, you know exactly what Hobby Lobby is, even throughout the rest of the state, I mean, uh, the US, but you know, because it's from Hobby, I mean, from Oklahoma, lots of people here know uh, from what Hobby Lobby is. In addition, Lisa is a speaker and a consultant specializing in EEO investigations, full stop. Okay, um, this is gonna she, be great. Yeah. So this is going to be, yeah, full of viv <laughs> and vigor and all the good stuff. My gosh. So, but most recently, uh, Lisa was a breakout speaker at the OKHR State Conference, hashtag funner, um, highlighting workplace investigations. And we're super excited to hear some stories and tips on HR work and investigations. But most importantly, that we have this wonderful guest, Miss Lisa. How are you? I'm great. You're great. Yeah. Are you in your office today? I am listening to the rain pour down outside. Oh my gosh. I know. Right. It's like, don't let your, let your dog outside because it becomes a mud pit when they come back in. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you were just at the OKHR conference and I know I saw you from afar, but I don't, I didn't get to meet you there. And so this is our first time meeting. It's pretty doggone exciting. It is. And I'm not surprised you didn't come to my session because it was at 7 a.m. So only the hardcore HR people show up at the 7 a.m. breakout sessions. Were you on Wednesday or Thursday at 7? Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kelly um, Kelly Smithy did, did um, Jazzercise at 6 something that day. Yes, so, she did. Yeah, she did at meeting there. And then I was supposed to do a run at seven, at six something the next day on Thursday. So that was my excuse, going to be my excuse, but it's not an excuse. But it rained. So I got to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad for you. 6 a.m. is <laughs> I know. So yeah, I, hopefully you had um, great participation. And even for those, if, uh, you know, I'm sure somebody got something out of it. And oh, I'm telling you. I, 
I was so shocked that the room was actually full. I thought at 7 a.m. they're going to be getting their coffee. They are not going to be ready to hear anything hardcore HR today, but they were. They came expecting <laughs> and people were taking photos of my slides. It was great. Very engaging group. Awesome. I know. I think it's amazing that people, you know, I thought about it last year. Uh, I was a co-chair of the state conference last year and you could have given people a shoe in a box to eat and they would have shown up because people were just dying to get connected. And I think that's what's, you know, been missing for these past couple of years. Yes, we could get some, do some Zoom online training, but being in person, mm -hmm. it's just different. Yep. There's no substitute for human connection. That's why we're in human resources. We understand that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I know um, that we want to hear a lot about you and, and about what you do in your career, but can you start us off and tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and, and how it led uh, to your career and your focus? Sure. I'll give you the, the shorter version if, if I can make it short, but I will tell you, it's kind of funny. I fell into HR not knowing what it was mm -hmm. and it all came from a good mentor. I had someone who recognized something in me. She was a supervisor when I worked at a call center and this is going to date me a little bit, but the call center was for America online. That's AOL. I don't even know what that is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> AOL, the, the dial up stuff that, you know, nobody in like these gen Y folks don't even know what I'm talking about. Gen Z certainly doesn't know, um, but <laughs> no, obviously I didn't for, either. I didn't yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but yes, I worked for um, AOL way back in the day, and I was in a in a call center position, taking phone calls, telling people they really needed to keep their internet after they wanted to cancel it. And my supervisor was always having me train everybody else that came on board, and so just I always had kind of that natural. If I learn it, I want to help you learn it. That's right. always been a passion of mine is anything I can do, you can do too. Just let me tell you how, let me just sure. train you. And so after doing that for a little while, she said, you can do a lot more than you're doing. And I said, well, like what, what else is here? You know, I was young, I was 20, barely. And uh, she said, I think you'd be great at HR. And I said, what's that? Mm. <laughs> and yeah. she, she told me and she introduced me to the the HR group and there was a job opening and I applied for it. And you actually had to be with the company for six months before they would take you into any transfer position. And I hadn't even been there oh. six months yet. Oh, they held right. the position for me <gasps> until I had been there six months based on her recommendation. And I've been in HR ever since. Stop it. That's amazing. And that is also why I'm so passionate about mentors because sure. they can have a huge impact on people. And who knew HR is something I would be so passionate about when once upon a time, I didn't even know what HR was, Right. but yeah, I started out in really more of a recruiting focus. And then I switched over to benefits for a time and all of those are great areas of HR, but I really found my passion when I started dealing with employee relations, with employee complaints and with investigations. And the reason is because I mean, not only do I love training and, and helping people to learn and grow, but if people are in a bad situation and mm -hmm. I can solve the problems that they're facing mm -hmm. and keep a good employee, mm -hmm. I mean, that's perfect. That's that's mm -hmm. what HR is all about. So I just became very passionate about investigations and, and anything I learn, I want to learn to do it the best I can. Mm -hmm. So I, I've done a lot of specific dedicated training in that area. And that's kind of how I got to where I am. Okay. 
you uh, just mentioned, uh, and I got triggered on mentors. And so um, Oklahoma City has their mentor program, which is, I would say, basically spearheaded by Danny Bogard and Rock Sharao. Are you familiar with that program? I think I've heard about it. Was that the Emerge thing that a lot of folks were talking yeah. about at the conference? Yes. And um, they, with the Oklahoma City HR chapter, and they're also sharing this with Tulsa, man, Raksha has um, really put mentors and mentees together at that Oklahoma City chapter. Um, so just, and they're going around to different locations and seeing about the business, et cetera, but they're putting a stronger level HR with a, an emerging professional um, just to give them those pieces. I mean, I'm just sitting here going, you would be perfect. I mean, <laughs> not that you have extra time, but, you know, tearing your passion out of this, this sounds like a great fit with you. Absolutely. Anyway, so, but employee relations, totally get that. How, um, you know, I just think about, there's plenty of stories that um, when you really kind of get emerged in HR, you hear the exciting, tough, goofy, I, I, I drop, pull my chin or jaw off from the, the floor kind of stories. So, you know, not that we want to get into any specifics, but are there any good like stories to tell <laughs> or well, I, can I, tell? I think you wanted to keep this under an hour. So <laughs> I don't know that I have time to really get into it, but I could write a book. <laughs> oh, can you give us People love juice. I mean, can you just give us something? I just think it's exciting. I will tell you, I have dealt with things uh, from one extreme to the other. Mm -hmm. And in addition to just doing this in my day-to-day job, I also do a lot of consulting. And so uh, as a part of consulting, I've I've worked for the federal government because I'm also MD-110 mm -hmm. certified. And so I've done, you know, high-level um, investigations there. And wow. so uh, I'm not going to share anything that would be sure. confidential, of course, but I will just tell you I, the ones that are the most challenging for me, of course, we all know this is the he said, she said, mm -hmm. um, but where there are significant allegations, egregious mm -hmm. allegations mm -hmm. that involve not just sexual harassment, but assault, sexual assault. And those are rough. And right. it, it's, you know, there, you, you hear so many things that you just try to put the pieces of the puzzle together and it's sometimes hard because yes. you, can't, you literally can't find all the puzzle pieces they just you can't get the whole picture but you have to be able to make good decisions based on whatever you can mm -hmm. find and so those are some of the most challenging that I have done I'll just say that so this is uh I feel like this is the free advice um conversation <laughs> <laughs> here's a thought that I have for you that um in I'm going to pull a bunch of things together. So number one, I listened to the book. And if it, anybody hasn't listened, I strongly encourage you to, to listen to, it's Malcolm Gladwell um, talking to strangers and listen to it on Audible. And one of the comments out of, the, out of that, they, they talk about the Sandusky situation. Um, and the, a comment that was made is um, expect good intent. And so I think that's where a lot of people, why it is so hard in a workplace investigation is because it's really easy to say, but Bob's a good guy. I, I can't see him doing that. And mm -hmm. so how do you tell us 
to, and I'm sorry, I can hear my dog in the background. How do you tell us to um, kind of get past that or think through that? What's, what's the next step? Well, I think for one, you have to go in as best you can. I mean, we are, it, there's human nature. We're going to have some kind of preconceived notions if we know the parties involved. It's so much better when you can have a neutral party investigate, one who doesn't know all the players. Mm-hmm. And I suggest if you do have a neutral person, don't go down that trail with them of say, well, but you need to understand this about Sue and you need to mm-hmm. understand this about Bob. No, I don't want to understand your perspective about either one of them. I want right. to look at this objectively and as neutrally as I can. And I'm looking for facts. I'm mm-hmm. looking at what can I prove or disprove, not mm-hmm. just prove, not just disprove, but prove or disprove. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at where do people's stories line up? Where can I find corroboration between parties? And where is there some area that is def- uh, refuted? And uh, and what evidence can I find on either side of that that makes it seem like one person is more maybe truthful than the other. And what mm-hmm. what's really challenging is in nearly in every investigation, you will find parties that may tell you a whole truth, may tell you a partial truth, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that, and they may lie to you. They may point blank lie to you, mm-hmm. but, and you may know that, but it doesn't mean that everything they said was a lie. Yeah. So you have to look at every piece of information you get as objectively as possible and try to line up the statements with the things that you can prove the facts the you know timekeeping records the you know who was where what does the schedule say who who else was around you know you look at the whole picture because it just takes two just one wrong assumption based on well but his personality surely he wouldn't do that people do things you would never think they would do because (laughs) of just a bad moment of bad judgment right Wrong so what, place, wrong time sometimes. Right. So what what advice do you give to organizations if it's not happening on work time? It doesn't mean it's not affecting the work environment. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on what the factors are. Uh, and it depends on how significant the issues are. And it depends on the relationship. So unfortunately, in HR, you'll probably hear, just like you do with a lot of lawyers, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I know everything is so fact specific you know anytime I get a phone call from someone who asked me to do a contract investigation for them you know a lot of times they want to say so how how long was this going to take and how many people you need to talk to and and when can I have an answer and you know they want those absolutes as if I can go check some boxes and we've got a a real smooth process and it doesn't matter how smooth of a process you outline up front Mm-hmm. Every investigation will take twists and turns you don't expect. Because, yeah. you know, in one of the examples I gave in the training I did at the OKHR conference was, you know, you go in expecting, I'm going to investigate this allegation of um, pregnancy discrimination. And mm-hmm. then in the middle of that investigation, somebody says, Oh, I thought you were here to talk to me about when um, Joe slapped Sally last week in the break room. Well, that wasn't the intent, but yes, I want to know more about that. <laughs> So you sometimes, you know, have some different trails you end up following in the course of the investigation that maybe weren't what you thought going into it. And you can't leave those things just where they are. If you hear about it, you really need to follow through with that. Um, Not to the extent that you derail your whole investigation, but get enough details that, okay, now I've got enough to look into that after we're done here. Now let's get back on track with this investigation. And sometimes one investigation may lead to two or three more. 
Yeah. Yeah. They can be so, messy. Right. I know. And gray. So that's the whole thing that, you know, you, you made the comment of gray. It's like, I can rabbit trail to another item that's within HR that it's just like, is it better to have a policy or not have a policy about it? Because it doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter, but it, you know, sometimes there are situations where it's, yes, it fits within these lines and sometimes it doesn't. And so it's just, what's, what's the best decision for, for that situation? Right. Hmm. Policies are good for outlining your expectations, but they're not going to cover everything. And that's why we have those caveats that say, this is not an exhaustive list. Right, right. So how, what was this, I guess, what was the situation that kind of spurned you into being so interested in workplace investigations and EEO situation? Was there something that happened that you thought, ah, I'm great at this, this is what well, me up? it started, um, started small and grew. So, um, when you work for a smaller organization where mm -hmm. you're an HR department of one, mm -hmm. you get to dip your toes in every area of HR. And mm -hmm. I have, I've worked for various size organizations from, you know, a hundred or so to 500 or so to 2000 to where I am today with nearly 50,000. So, um, yes, it, so it, when you're in those smaller organizations, you, you wear so many hats. Um, right. You know, I really got to see the impact of different areas of HR that I was practicing. And one of the first investigations I did, I, I remember, and this is honestly what a lot leads to a lot of complaints and investigations is misunderstandings. It was just oh, a misunderstanding. Yeah. It was, there was no ill intent. There mm -hmm. was no, you know, wrong motivations. Mm -hmm. It was just, one person said something that another person took a completely wrong way and it caused a rift. And mm -hmm. then it became something that really negatively impacted the entire work environment and everybody around them. Mm -hmm. And so somebody finally got fed up and complained to HR. And mm -hmm. I went in very curious. This was before I really knew what, what I was even doing. Honestly, <laughs> I was just going best training ground ever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I just went in and said, can you tell me what's going on? And I listened. And listening mm -hmm. is a real big part of investigations. Mm -hmm. You know, keep your mouth closed and your ears open as much as possible and, and listen and then try to hear not just the words coming out, but the heart and things behind it. And for the context that maybe the two parties are not hearing from each other because, you know, anger rises up and you don't hear the same way as you do in a calm mm -hmm. situation. And I was able to help them just to get to where they could see eye to eye again. I helped them, I kind of mediated. And once I heard one person's side of the story and then I talked to the other person, I got their side of the story and I went, you know, if I could just get these two talking and get them to understand the other person's perspective, I think they'd be fine. And in that particular situation, this is not always how you're gonna be able to handle it. But in that particular situation, my first ever, what I would call it an investigation, um, I was able to get, get the two people in a room together and I said, okay, I've talked to both of you independently and there's a couple things I want to share with each of you if you'll allow me to. And they both said, yeah, because they weren't talking to each other. So they were only going to talk to me. And I explained from his perspective, this is what was said and done. And here's why. From her perspective, this is how she took what you said and why. And they both had their jaw on the floor like, what? One was, well, I didn't think that's what you meant. And the other was, I can't believe you thought I <laughs> meant that. And by the mm -hmm. end of it, they were fast friends again. And mm. I thought, that feels so good. 
Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. helped these two people who were at wit's end, who were at odds, who, you know, their whole work life was just becoming miserable. And we spend so much time at work. It needs to be a good place. Right. Mm-hmm. And so once I was able to help them work through their issues and, and get back to a healthy working environment, it helped them, it helped everybody around them. Mm-hmm. It felt good. And mm-hmm. then I realized, you know, lots of these kind of conflicts come to HR because I got many more opportunities to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the more I got to do it, the more I started researching and learning and taking any free class I could find online, a webinar, a, you know, a training at a conference, anything that I could find mm-hmm. to learn more about it. And eventually I got certified as an investigator. And I've just spent countless hours both learning about investigations and then putting into practice what I've learned. So with enough time and practice, you you know, it's become just something I'm really passionate about. Lisa, can you expand on uh, being certified as an investigator? What what does that take and uh, why why do that? So um, I did it initially just because I wanted to be better. I wanted to, you know, see if there's anything else I could learn. And I happened across, after lots of online researching, I happened across a site that said, become a certified investigator. And I went, oh, well, that sounds great. Not only could I learn, but I could have a piece of paper that says, I really know what I'm doing. (laughs) So I looked into it. And unfortunately, there just weren't a whole lot of classes available around here, but I did find one at a Votech, which they no longer do. um, So I can't help you with that resource, but um, they were offering this this class at a Votech and it was specific to federal investigations, which Mm. at the time my thought was, there's not going to be that much different investigations or investigations, right? I work in the private sector, but I'd love to know how the federal sector does it. You know, maybe they have some tips and tricks that I don't know. And MD 110 is just the the name of a, of the governing um, body. So to speak, the, the, the piece of legislation that covers what the requirements are to do federal investigations. And it requires a certain number of hours of training and then also continuing training um, each year. And so I went through that course and the course cost, I think it was around $1,200 or something to that effect. And I remember as the trainer went through and she talked about doing contract investigations that you could sometimes get paid as much as $1,200 to do a contract investigation. And I went, oh, well, I mean, I have a full-time day job, but if I could take one, get one and then pay for the class I just took, I'm going to do that. That's cool. And so I've made some contacts and got to know the right people and got my foot in the door with an agency and and started doing some contract investigations. And after I did one, I got another opportunity and they just kept coming. And so now I've been doing that for a few years and I find it enjoyable because again, it's just another area of problem solving in, in the workplace. It's a little different on the federal side because I don't always get to see the outcome. So I provide the information so that another person can look at everything I've provided and make a good decision. So the role is a little bit different because in HR, we oftentimes get to see it from complaint through investigation, through to problem solving and corrective action. I don't get to do that on the federal side. I just get to do the investigating, but it does help me make my skills sharp. And I enjoy that. Do do you at least get to state your um, suggestion or what you think, or is it just the facts? It's just the facts. Okay. Yep. I, I do provide a report, but I just report the facts. And these are, so the federal side, but it's still kind of an HR 
a flavor to the investigations or do you expand beyond? Yes, that? I mean, obviously I'm looking at um, protected activity, you know, Title VII, those kinds of things. I'm looking at um, not just where in the HR side, I might also look into operational type complaints. Like, you know, I don't get the schedule that I want. And I think it's because this manager doesn't like me because I took up a blank. So you might get some things that are somewhat operational, but also potentially some kind of protected basis might be at issue. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the federal sector, I'm only looking at what does the law say and has, you know, the law been violated potentially. I need to look at the prima facie elements of the case and make sure that I've answered all of those questions. And so it takes some analysis and a little bit more of a legalistic type approach than that soft people side. But it, I mean, you're still going to have the empathy that you have and, and still have the dignity and respect for every single party you're interviewing. And some of that is just what I enjoy about HR. Because whether you're accused or a complaining party, you still are a human. You still deserve mm-hmm. to be treated well, and you mm-hmm. still deserve the opportunity to get your side of the story out. And uh, for my sister who lives in uh, Nashville, Tennessee now, uh, nothing to do with HR. She moved? She moved, yeah. Um, what's prima facie? Okay, so I'm not a lawyer, but basically <laughs> it's the it's the legal elements of a case. So in order to prove, for example, discrimination, you there are some questions that have to be answered. And if the answer to all of those is, is yes, then you know you have a claim. And so one being, as an example, let's say uh, it's for hiring someone. Uh, someone says, I wasn't hired because I'm XYZ protected class. Maybe it's because I'm over 40. I think it's age discrimination because they hired a, a 20 something. Okay. So one of the things I'm going to look at is, did you meet the qualifications of the position? Were you eligible to even apply? Were you minimally qualified? So just on its face, could you have likely gotten the position um, just based on if if a totally neutral person was looking at it. Um, and if the answer to that is yes, okay, was the person that was hired not in the same protected basis as you? And so in the example I gave, it was a 20 something. So yeah, they're not protected under age discrimination laws. And the person is over 40, so they are protected or they're 40 or over, so they're protected. So there's one element. And then you, there's several things you just kind of go down the list. And so each potential claim someone could make to the EEOC, for example, there are certain questions that you can ask to determine, do they likely have a legitimate claim? And that's what prima facie elements are. Okay. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to, we've talked a lot about this and I know that we have some other areas that we want to talk about. So, but let me ask this other question of, just from a basic standpoint, from you're an HR HR department of one, what are some basic steps that HR should do to ensure the integrity if they do receive a complaint of a situation? Um, I think one of the first things to do is they really need to evaluate if they're the right person to handle it. Ooh. So if, for example, the complaint is about the CEO of the company, and you report mm-hmm. to the CEO, automatically you're probably not the right person to do it because it puts you as, as the HR person in a real bad spot because anybody looking from the outside in is going to say, well, of course you weren't biased. You, you didn't want to tell your boss that they were guilty of doing the thing they were accused of doing because you could get fired. So in a situation like that, it's probably better to use an outside investigator. Um, 
But if it's something like just two employees that, you know, they're peers to each other, neither one of them reports up to you, neither one of mm -hmm. them is in your reporting chain at all, um, and you don't have some close connection, like it's not your cousins, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, whatever connection, you know, um, and you can be truly neutral to both parties, both the accused person and the complaining party, then you probably are the right person to investigate. Um, and then you need to look at what do your policies say mm -hmm. and um, make sure that you're well-versed on the issue that is at issue. So mm -hmm. whether it's um, something based on, you know, discrimination or it's something based on a policy, you need to make sure you understand enough about what the rules are related to that, that you can not only investigate fairly if there is a problem, but also determine how best to proceed to fix the problem if you find one. So, okay, yeah, that's that was not an answer I expected. So that, yeah, way to throw that one out there. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Well, if somebody is to say, hey, I am not the right person to investigate, um, what do you suggest of how they go find the right person to do that? Call your friendly neighborhood lawyer. That's what I would suggest. Yeah. Um, because then you both have the the, the benefit of attorney-client privilege. Mm -hmm. And then also, mm -hmm. you know, they know what they're doing. Um, yeah. Or if you maybe don't have the resources to have a, a lawyer hired, then go through a contract investigator who is trained, who is knowledgeable, who's experienced. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I'm available, but there are others. Sure. There are a lot of folks who, who do this sort of work and just make sure that whoever is investigating can be neutral and that they actually know what they're doing. Right. Right. And I know that there are resources, but I think if you're, if this is somebody listening for the first time saying, well, I don't even know how to go about that. Yeah. I mean, great, great tidbits. Yeah. All you right. can always go to your Oklahoma HR network too. And they probably know somebody. <laughs> they probably do. They probably do. Or they may be that person who can help you. That's right. That's right. Okay. I'm going to switch gears and flip back to Hobby Lobby. And I don't know that I realized 50,000 employees. It fluctuates. Um, uh, well, yeah. When I, especially, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I will tell you something interesting that uh, I, I, when I started at Hobby Lobby, I had no idea the scope, honestly. I mean, I was a Hobby Lobby shopper. Because right. I love the product, but I honestly didn't know as much um, when I started as obviously I do now. But when I started, um, it was in 2014, and there was around 500 and something stores at that time. And this year, we're opening our thousandth store and then shooting wow. right past that. So it has nearly doubled in the time that I've been here. And that 50,000, I just throw that out as kind of the average, but it ranges anywhere from 42 to above 50, just depending sure. on the time of year it is. Sure. Uh, okay, this giant magnitude, um, I, and and it's based out of Oklahoma. So what, I mean, I don't know, just what is something that we would be so surprised to know about like how it works from an HR perspective? Because there are a lot of people in Oklahoma and, and actually throughout the country that have, you know, they're, they're a department of one. So I can't even imagine how many HR persons are um, that you have under the umbrella of Hobby Lobby. Well, I'll tell you something that I, I really love about my job here is that because of the scope, because of the size, um, we do have to be a little more specialized and strategic. So mm -hmm. 
um, there are different departments that focus on different things. You know, payroll sure. is handled by the payroll department. Benefits is handled by the benefits department. Leaves of absence are handled by the leave department. And I don't work in any of those departments I just mentioned. Wow. <laughs> I work in corporate HR, which our primary focus is employee relations. And that's my favorite part of HR. So yeah. I literally found the job that fits me best, um, focused on the thing I love most, which is helping employees and employers to have a good, healthy working environment. Wow. You're on, you're on mute, Rob. My dogs, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Lisa, why? I know you can answer this for me. Why do I always want to shop at Hobby Lobby on Sundays? Oh, <laughs> because we all <laughs> want what we can't have, right? <laughs> okay, right. I mean, that's my my best answer for yeah. you. I mean, people crave Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Oh, yeah. The same reason. Every Sunday, that's right. Just because yeah. you can't have it. <laughs> exactly. So from the corporate HR standpoint, and do you have employees that are, I mean, I know that you're, you're based in the U.S., but do you have employees that are based um, across the world because of sourcing and things like that, or is that contracted? Um, there are some overseas folks that deal with buying product and that sort of thing, but that's not an area I'm real well-versed in. Okay. I, I work solely with the 48 states and the employees okay. we have in those states. And if, in case you're wondering, the two that are missing, it's Alaska and Hawaii. But I keep offering to go open the store in Hawaii. I mean, I, I'm happy to go spend the whole month or so it takes to get that thing up and running, but they haven't offered me that option yet. I think there's some yeah. issues with transportation of product might be a little challenging in Alaska and Hawaii, but, but we got the other 48 states covered. Yeah, well done. I'm just sitting there thinking of, okay, in Alaska, they probably already made it. Um, or use their resources from from being out in the wild. Uh, that's I, I'm just still my brain can't wrap around fifty thousand people. So it's a lot. Um, what, well, yeah, what's something new? Like I know that you said like all, but what is something that from working in other organizations and then coming here that it was just totally different than than what you know you had experienced before. I will tell you, although I've experienced this before in some other places, not on this scale, and that is just how they care for people. Mm. Like they just care for people and not every company does. Some companies are a little more concerned with the bottom line and the, the dollars being brought in. And I've worked in various industries, whether it's from, I worked in call centers, as I mentioned before, I've worked in healthcare settings, construction, manufacturing, all these different things. And in all the places that I've worked and all the places who do care about employees and a lot of, there are a lot of great employers out there, they just do it a little bit better in my opinion. They just really actually thoughtfully, um, methodically try to do what's right for the employees, like paying people well above the minimum wage, not because they have to, mm -hmm. but because they feel it's the right thing to do. Right. Um, giving pay increases when a lot of other companies are laying off and not mm -hmm. paying good. You know, we have always had good benefits, good pay since the moment that I've started here and it's only gotten better. Um, and it's been because they're thoughtful and careful to do the right thing for employees. And I think that's huge. Yeah. Do you think that that is, um, helps promote in the communities where they are the other businesses to try to keep up with that trend or thought? Do you see well, that? I'm sure they, 
Yes. I, I'm sure they probably have to, to some degree, just because mm-hmm. if you're going to compete for talent in the marketplace, you got to be competitive. Um, I'm sure that there's plenty of places who don't pay as well that where we have stores, but, uh, but it probably would encourage, I would think others yeah. to step up to. Yeah. All right. You spoke at OKHR and as we're recording this, it was last week, but when we present this, it will not be last week, but it was last week. Um, So what was it like? I mean, I know we talked about it at the beginning, but Mm -hmm. tell us the process of how you um, submitted or how you were approached to be a speaker. What happened there? Okay. Well, I got an email and I don't even remember where the email came from, but it was one of those call for speakers emails. Mm -hmm. And I thought, huh, I wouldn't mind doing that. That sounds like fun. I do it all the time at my job day to day. I train people on various topics. And and Mm so I clicked the button Mm -hmm. and it showed me what I needed to do to submit the topic that I'd be interested in teaching on. And I thought, well, one of the things I love is workplace investigation. So I'll do that. Um, And then I saw that the theme was something fun, you know, it was fun (laughs) HR. So I was like, well, I don't know, how do I make it? Unless you have a, unless you have a morbid sense of humor or something like, how do you make workplace investigations fun? And I've always used the um, kind of analogy of it's a puzzle. You're putting puzzle pieces together. And so I just went with that theme of, you know, completing the puzzle workplace investigations. And, and as I focused on that, I presented the topic, I sent it off and, you know, you wait and find out if they select you and they did. And so then I had to record a zoom training Yeah. and, um, so when I went to record it, of course, I had all kinds of technical issues, <laughs> but I got it done, but it, it was a lot of fun. And then just, they, they tell you your time. And I thought, okay, because this is my first time presenting here, that's why I got that 7am slot. They don't know if I'm really, if I, if I'm worth my chops, right. They don't know right. if I know what I'm doing. So I, I kind of laughed thinking at 7am, I'm going to be talking to an empty room. There's going to be four people. people there if I'm lucky. And then to my pleasant surprise, when I arrive at 6.30, thinking I have tons of time to set up and get ready and before anybody arrives, there were already people walking in. And I went, oh my gosh, you guys are so dedicated. And one of them said, or crazy. I'm like, yes, you guys are the crazy, dedicated HR people. And then people just kept coming in. And it was actually, to me, very rewarding to see that I'm not the only one who wants to make sure employees have a good work life. You know, I'm not the only one who thinks, you know, there are issues in the workplace and we need to sure. figure out how to solve those problems. And that's what you do with workplace investigations. Sure. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad that, and did you get to go to some of the other stuff? I mean, did you have fun? I Ooh. did. I did have fun. fun. I won a, a prize. Yeah. I have a, I always have lots of fun getting together with like-minded HR people too. Yeah. Saw some people I hadn't seen in a while. It was nice to connect. Um. Yeah, I, I know. I think that's what I was saying at the, top of this of you know people are just so excited to see people I mean Mm -hmm. there were a couple of people we saw that had showed up and they said I haven't been to anything and just they just it's just fun yes um what value do you see HR is showing um in this current climate of business well as a part of just the current climate that we're in there people um are sensitive in certain issues and 
there's a lot of problems in the workplace that need to be addressed and HR is in a prime position to identify some of those problems to help mm-hmm. managers navigate through the some of the difficult things that they do, um, whether it's dealing with the ADA or dealing with a workplace incident. You know, there's workplace violence issues. There's so much um, that happens in the workplace that it, it's hard to be a manager of people. It is because every person is different. There's right. no rule book for how each person should be handled. And HR, we're we're both there to help the company to follow the rules, to you know, follow the law, be compliant, but we're also there to help with the soft skills too, to help you understand, yes, there are policies, yes, maybe some policies have been violated, but how do we hopefully make that problem go away and keep that employee? Because the problem and the employee are two separate things. The, the employee might have caused a problem or, or done something that is a problem, but it doesn't mean that the employee themselves is a problem. And so I think HR is great at kind of distinguishing between behaviors and conduct and rule violations, but yet also caring for people. And so we can help managers to navigate that really difficult place. They need resources. They, they've got a lot on their plates. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it's a no-win situation, so. That's true. Yeah. And you know what? I think as I was looking some information up, um, there was something, uh, I think how you would st- how it was stated by you was win-win or help people find solutions. Mm-hmm. And I go, I make this comment plenty of times. Rob's tired of me stating it. But I, I just, I love the opportunity for HR to be the department of yes. And it's not that we're going to do something that is against the law or is not within the policies. It's somebody brings a problem and hopefully we can help you find a solution that Mm -hmm. fits for what you want, you know, what the manager or employee would like, but it may look a little bit different than what, however it's proposed. Mm -hmm. Don't you, I mean, that's what I felt like I read from, from you saying win-win. Is that what you meant? Oh yeah, it's finding the best possible path forward when there's a hundred paths you could take. We're trying to find the best one. Right. And you know, whether it's dealing with an accommodation request for an ADA issue, and maybe you can't do everything the employee wants because it doesn't make sense with the way your operation is, but you can find something that will meet their need and allow Mm -hmm. them to be productive and in the workforce, which then the manager's happy about because it's hard to recruit right now. We want to keep our employees. So That's that alternate accommodation. It's not exactly the thing that you asked for, but it's something that's going to still meet the need. And right. it's helping everybody to get what they want, which is healthy, happy employees doing their job. Yeah. 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 Be the connector. Yep. Be the connector. All right. What's a fun fact about yourself? I love to travel and I love yeah. kayaking. So look, I gave you two. Oh, yeah. I got a bonus. Yes. I love kayaking. Kayak. Do you kayak in the Oklahoma River? I kayak wherever I can find a body of water. Okay. <laughs> I like lakes, rivers, creeks, if they're big enough and deep enough. Yeah. And I um, recently got a paddleboard. Tried that out just the other day and I'm still sore from it. But oh, yeah. yeah, I like I hanging out on the water. I bet. That's your core, isn't it? Where you're oh, like, yes. And yes. so is it uh, Linda Clark, Rob, who talked to us the one time and she talked about... Um, I think it was from kayaking river sport, something of basically 
look to your edge because she was trying to tie it but basically look where you're going not down or something to that degree so that you don't wreck is this you know that's the same truth with motorcycle riding i took a mm -hmm. motorcycle riding course too right. um because any, if i'm anything i'm going to do i want to do it well so i like to take a class learn how to do it the best but one of the things they say with motorcycles too is don't look at the obstacle in the road or the thing you don't want to hit look at wherever mm -hmm. you're going and that's where you're mm -hmm. going to ultimately end up yeah has so many truths just in life too like that's just such a profound mm -hmm. thing always look to where you want to go right don't look behind you or right. at the obstacles just look right past that and right head there right i think that's also i mean in truth with words that are stated or words that you think that if you're saying hey i'm dieting don't eat this you know i don't eat the chocolate guess what you want the chocolate but instead, if you said, ooh, I want the, I don't know, leaf of lettuce, you might want it. I mean, it may not be as pulling as the don't, you can't have it. But, you know, I think if that's kind of that mindset of truth to the, you know, focus on where you want to go. So right. I'm going to help Rob next time you want to go to Hobby Lobby on a Sunday. Don't think right. I can't go. Think I can go next Saturday. <laughs> I was just going to say, that's exactly the, the connection there, the connective tissue to that Hobby Lobby being closed. Yeah. Love this, right? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that was so good. We yeah. just solved the world's problems right there. Right. Yep. <laughs> well, we have um Rob, what other questions? Because I I have some other questions I want to ask her, but I want to give you the opportunity before I move to that. This section. is this is great. I'm excited to get to that next level because I know that uh yeah. Yeah. You, know, you got those fun questions. Got the fun stuff. So I know that we could have spent two hours talking mm -hmm. about it, workplace investigations, just investigations, EEO complaints, any of those things. Oh, I know yes. that we could have gone down big rabbit trails, oh, yeah. uh, but we will give people the opportunity to listen to this and potentially find some other resources. But we always end our podcast with end questions, and I did not provide those to you. So keeping me on my toes. Okay, uh, I like yeah, it. I hope so. Okay. <laughs> Um, in the past year, what has been a revelation to you about yourself? Um, I think just that I love developing people, like even more than I realized before. I've had some opportunities to do some things structurally um, here internally that made me realize how much I love mentoring, not just being mm -hmm. mentored. I've always loved having mentors, mm -hmm. but I also really love giving back too. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that's totally... Uh, you know, like a new concept to me, but I think I'm kind of coming into a, a place where I just am realizing how much I love it. And I really do love seeing any little nuggets of wisdom I can give someone else. And then when I see them put that into practice and use it, and then they are successful because of it, it's super rewarding to me. Right. So you, you talked about mentoring. Was that organic for you or did you seek them out? Just, I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting happy accidents. It. Happy okay. accidents, honestly. Um, so the first one that led me to HR, she just she was just my boss, and she just recognized something in me, and she was vocal about it, and I appreciated yeah. that. And then and she held a job for you. That's right. And then when I got into HR at AOL, I was blessed to then again find some people who just they noticed some things in me, and they would point them out. And I'm, I guess I've always been good at taking other people's advice when they identify something in me that I haven't recognized. I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to hold on to that. And right. I'm going to do it. And, uh, Shawnee Anderson is, I still remember her name. This was back in like 2000, but she told me one time, uh, 
there was an opportunity that I was interested in, but I didn't really know how best to express that. It wasn't a posting. It was just somebody was out for like a maternity leave. And I was interested in doing that. And I thought, well, how can I get to know more about that? And how can I help in that area? And, and I was hoping someone would ask me, cause you know, I'd had mentors before who just kind of pushed me to that. And I wasn't hearing anything and I wasn't hearing anything. And I went to her and I said, well, I really want to know about this opportunity. Like, could I do that? How, how could I do that? Mm-hmm. And she said, don't let the train pass you by. And then you not do anything to try to jump on it. She said, this is an opportunity. Take advantage of it, embrace it, run out and just go out there and try it. Show me the way you can do. And I went, oh, I don't know why I didn't think of that. That seems pretty obvious. So I just started picking up some tasks that I knew were not getting done because this person was out and I started doing them. And I did it with the training wheels. I said, hey, um, I did this. Can you check it make sure I did it right? And she did. And, I, and then it was, oh, you did well, do that again. And so I just kind of got some opportunity to show my skills and my abilities and get a little bit of training and feedback along the way. And it led to great opportunities down the road and other times when because of that feedback I got from her that um, really it just it helped in every other job I've had since then. Right. I always do that. I always um, come into a job looking at where can I help. And it doesn't matter if it's in my job title. If it's mm-hmm. something I'm capable of and I see a need, I try to meet the need. And then oftentimes it ends up becoming a responsibility because someone mm-hmm. sees that it's something I'm good at, which then leads to more opportunities later. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a lot of, I mean, I think a lot of people can potentially see that and maybe begin to ask those questions too of what's next? How can I, mm-hmm. what do you see? And, and like you mentioned, somebody said something about you that you hadn't recognized and mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Save that for later. Okay. Uh, what mantra do you use for yourself and you like to share with others? Um, it's the most simple thing in the world. It's the golden rule. If I were in their shoes, how would I want to be treated or how would I want to be treated, you know, in this situation um, and treat people that way? I try to treat everybody with dignity and respect, no matter what the circumstance, whether it's a difficult conversation, a disciplinary conversation, an investigation, or if it's a moment of, hey, I just caught you doing something good and I want to praise you, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I try to think about what it's going to feel like from that other person's perspective and keep that in mind because it helps me to make a better decision. Yeah, yeah. All right, copying from Brene Brown's podcast, what do most people get wrong about you? Hmm. Well, I think um, because of the job title, some people think I might be unapproachable. Mm-hmm. I, because I've always got, you know, in HR, oh my gosh, HR is in the room. Mm-hmm. Like everybody be quiet. Don't say anything. And mm-hmm. so for someone who does not know me, uh, they might think that, but uh, if you get to know me at all, I'm an open book. You, what you see is what you get. I will answer any question. I, it may not be the way you like it, but I'll give you the truth and I'll try to deliver it in the nicest, kindest way possible. But I'm pretty approachable, I think at least, and yeah. I'm always wanting to help. So don't let the job title scare you, the HR title scare you. I just want to be there to help people. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I get that part. Yeah, the people don't, they're like, ooh, HR. And it's like, no, we're the department of yes, not the department of no. Okay, 
Uh, what recent TV show have you been obsessed with? Hmm. Fire Country. That's pretty oh, interesting. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's totally interesting because it's about rehabilitating people. You know, it's uh -huh. about these guys who uh, like go, they, they've all been in jail and they're like trying to transition back into life or whatever. And they're, um, they're part of, I think it's in California. I don't even know. Uh, but they are part of a volunteer, sort of a volunteer. Well, they're, they're still technically incarcerated, but they're part of a voluntary um, group of people who are fighting fires along with various fire departments. And it's just fascinating that some of the dynamics, because like with every show I watch, I notice the HR type issues <laughs> in the show and the dynamics of people and the managing of the people and the issues. And so there's a, there's just a lot of stuff there. It's pretty mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. It's yeah, a fairly new show. It's just, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, what book or podcast do you also like to share with others? Uh, well, something I've just read recently was Verbal Judo by uh, oh. Dr. Yeah, Dr. George Thompson. I'm actually preparing a training um, related to that. And it's so fascinating. And I've just gone down one rabbit trail after another, looking at the issues there, but it's about communicating effectively with people, even in difficult situations. And it's, it's a pretty good book. It's a short read, super easy to read through, and it had some good nuggets in there. I think that's going to be on my list. Verbal judo, because who doesn't like to say that? Right. <laughs> yeah. <Great title. laughs> All right. Well, Lisa, how can people connect with you? LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. Okay. Okay. And they would just look up Lisa McConnell. So it's, it's Lisa NHR is the, the end part of that. Um, the link, you know, it's like, I think it's www.linkedin.com slash in slash Lisa NHR. Okay. 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 Rob. Sarah. You are on Listen. this entire podcast. <laughs> I made it. Yes. I was touch and go there. <laughs> so, but having said that, I do have a, a 2.30, so I'm going to sign us out. Lisa, okay. it was great talking to you. This was Same a very, very fun podcast. Very informative. Great. For those of you out there in the podcast land listening, this is OKHR Leads. Make sure you tune in on the Mondays as we can get these things out. We need people to talk to, so reach out to Tara so that we can get some somebody scheduled and uh, continue to share some of your fantastic stories from the uh, land of OKHR. So everybody have a have a great time. Have a great day. Yeah. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.